So we spent quite a bit of time talking about religion and talking about the kingdom of God and the difference between the two. So today I'm finishing with the title, No More Counterfeits. No More Counterfeits. What we want to talk about is the, uh, this uh, premonition of the counterfeit of what religion is. That it's really lifeless and really baseless and really there's no power in it at all. And I'll tell you at the beginning, my hope is at the end that if there's anything left in you that is religious, that you trade it in, that you decide, that you decide I don't want to have any, anything else to do with this, right? And get into the original vision of God. So the definition of counterfeit that we'll use, and this is not my definition, I just grabbed it off from, from online, I simply Googled it. But a counterfeit is something made in, a, in the exact imitation of something valuable or important with an intention to deceive or defraud. A counterfeit is something that's manufactured, it is put together, it is created in a way that it can deceive you. But it's really mimicking something that's very important and something real, right? So what we, what we don't want to do is we don't want to get stuck with a life that is an imitation. A life that's baseless and we end up spending our time and our energy with something that really doesn't make sense at the end of the day. So it's really important that we understand the, the, the first of God's creation. And I just want to walk through this because I want to talk about the kingdom more than I do religion today. If that's all right with you. But in the beginning, in Genesis, the word of God says, and God said, let us make man in our image. And according to our likeness, all capital words, our likeness showing deity, us showing, showing deity, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over the creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So now God then created man in his image. In his image, he created him male and female. So both men and women are God. Male and female, and then God blessed them. He blessed them both, men and women. He blessed them and he told them five things. Be fruitful, multiply, won't get into that today. Fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. Again, there's the list of what you can have dominion over. So he gives us this list for us to have dominion over. So write these things down because they're rudimentary, but they're important. The questions that I am getting from people who are new to our house, new to our house and new to this concept, it's very important that you understand these few things. God's original intent was, number one, to extend his rulership. When he decided to create the earth, he created it to extend his dominion, to extend who he was, right? To extend his rulership. But he wanted to establish this on earth through sons, through family. He wanted to create a species like him, but different from him, to rule in a different territory. That's what Genesis 1 is all about. That's what Genesis 2 is all about. He wanted to extend through sons. He wanted to do this through a family which he would create. This is the idea of God, right? I'm describing something that doesn't sound like your religion, aren't I? Okay, he wanted then, once he created this new family, he wanted to put himself in that family. So he wanted to put his spirit in this new family in a new territory. This Holy Spirit inside man 
would keep man in touch with heaven. So that whatever is going on in God's space happens in our space. So that there would not be a difference nor a distance between us and him. You know where I'm headed. There was never supposed to be death, never supposed to be sickness, never supposed to be poverty, never supposed to be spirits of division, and there was never supposed to be religion. Because in the beginning, we had relationship with him. A couple of more. So when he places that spirit in us, it would give man the assignment of dominion and ownership and management of the planet. The original idea was for God to use us to manage his new place called earth. That's Genesis 1 and 2. But man fell. Genesis 3, man abdicated his power and responsibility. Tell somebody, don't do that. Don't abdicate your power and ability. But he abdicated. He simply gave it over to Satan by disobedience. So he lost his rulership over earth. This is the, this is the whole story. We could probably go home and have a taco or something just in a minute. Some greens and cornbread. So now... So now when man fell, he fell from a certain place. He fell from a certain place, which now God's intent is to restore man. So Genesis 1 and 2 are the only perfect books in the Bible. Every other book in the Bible is trying to get us back to Genesis 1 and 2. Everything else in the Bible is redemptive restoration, salvation, <laughs> what we call salvation. It's really God trying to salvage his original idea. That's what this is all about. Now, so that's why he sends Jesus. He sends Jesus, a perfect man with no sin, he puts him, Jesus, inside a woman by the same Holy Ghost. And now Jesus comes to redeem us. Now, if Jesus is going to restore us, what must he restore us to? If I originally started here, on earth in dominion and in power, this is where I started. This is original intent. And I fall... If you're going to restore me, restore me, put me back where I was, hang on to your religion because we're getting ready to ball it up and throw it away. If the goal is for me to be restored, restored, what must you do with me? Talk to me. What must you do to restore me to original intent? You have to put me back where I originally was. Putting me in heaven does not restore me. Telling me to give up my dominion on earth does not restore me. Asking me not to rule over my environment 
does not restore me. You have to put me back where the original intent was. And that's what Jesus came to do. That's too much for you, but I'll move on. So now, are y'all okay? So now, the kingdom we have to describe. The kingdom is really God himself exercising his own rulership over what he created. That's all the kingdom is. The kingdom is not a weird message. It's not something strange. You may not have heard about it a lot, but it is the original books. It is the original theme of the Bible. God. Now, let me, let me give you these statistics, and you can Google them. You can look them up for yourself. The kingdom is mentioned 177 times in the Old Testament. 177 times the kingdom is mentioned by Daniel, by David, by all the prophets. They talk about this kingdom of God that we lost in Genesis, Genesis 3. In, in the New Testament, it's mentioned 162 times. 162 times the kingdom of God is mentioned in the New Testament. And Jesus uses it as his reference in some frame or another over 200 times. And you're asking yourself, well, why don't I hear more about this? Because we've gotten ourselves into this place where we would prefer selling religion to you. Religion becomes easier for me to sell to you. Because if I can get you into religion, you will swap your dominion. And you'll just hang out on earth. You'll never become your best. You will allow others to use your dominion for themselves. You'll complain a lot. You'll find people to blame. You'll say, it's them. They're doing that to me. They don't want me to have anything. You won't take ownership for your own life. You'll never create anything. You'll never multiply anything. You'll just hang out for your 70 point, whatever years they give us now. <laughs> You'll just live your life and die with never discovering your own dream. Never discovering your own desire. And because you don't know who you, you, who you are, you'll pick people to have relationships with you that don't know who they are. Now, y'all know me. I'm not having it, right? <laughs> that does not work for me. It should not work for you. You should be in a place of discovery of yourself. That same spirit of God. When we ask people, give your life to Christ and be baptized in the Holy Ghost, we're not just talking about speaking in tongues of being weird or jumping around. We're talking about get connected to heaven. So you know the assignment of God on your own life, okay? So now, here, 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 here's what we really need to do. 
We need to learn how to develop this thing I call, or the Bible calls, the single eye. The single eye. We've got to make a decision. We've got to make a decision where we're looking and where we expect help from. So it, it says this, and I like this in, in Matthew 6. Matthew 6 is an amazing chapter. I just want to skip through some of it a little bit. Is that all right? Matthew 6.22 says these words, the lamp of the body is the eye, and if therefore your eye is good or single, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness, which is ignorance. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? In other words, what it's saying is, when you have a squinted eye of greed, distrust, or do you have the open eyes of wonder and expectation? Do you live a life, do you live a life right now where you don't trust anybody? You're looking around for who's going to try to take advantage of you next. You're trying to figure out who's plotting and planning to supplant you, to take advantage of you. Or do you wake up with this eye that says, God, everything good is coming to me today. It matters nothing to me about the people who want to hurt me. God, I want my eyes to be open. Oh, do you wake up saying, God, this is another day you have made. This is the day that the Lord has made. Is that your outlook on life? What, what Je- this is Jesus. This is in red. This is not Paul. This is not Luke, John. This is not any of those other fellows. This is in red. Jesus says, listen, your, how you perspe- your perspective on life will fill your life with what it expects. Are you uncomfortable with us being loud and talking back to one another? You know, talk back to me. It, are you waking up with this expectation that God and everything he made from the ant to the elephant, everything is working on my behalf. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what anybody said. It doesn't even matter if there's a different plan for me. God is in charge of my space and everything's going to be fine with me. I am good today. I'm not concerned about you. I'm not concerned about whether you want to stop me, kill me, steal from me. You can't kill me or steal from me. I am eternal. I was always here and I will always be here. I'm not just going to be here 70 years. I am forever. Shout it. I am. My spirit was made when God was made. My soul was created when God created everything. I was here millions and millions of years ago, and when I die, I'll still be here. What am I afraid of? How do you look at life? Jesus Jesus is trying to say, Some of the ways we've been taught to look at life comes through religion. We get it right here in the pulpit. We're taught to be afraid. We've made this guy called the devil equal with God. (laughs) Like Superman and Batman having a fight or the... They're not equal. Can I give you something? Satan was here when Adam was sent here. Read Ezekiel 40, read Ezekiel uh, 47, 45. Satan was already here when Adam was created because God didn't care where Satan was. As long as I got a man or a woman in this place that has dominion, 
Satan has no power there. But if you give him power, he'll take it. Am I making any sense to anybody here? You know, I'm from the back roads of Mississippi. I mean, you know, that's, that's just where I'm from. This is, this is all I know how to do. I'm from the dirt roads of Mississippi where you see things as they are. And I made up my mind. What I'm seeing, God, I got one question. I got one question for you, God. What I'm seeing happen around me, is this you? Is this you? Is this your heart? Or is this man-made? God answered my prayer. He said, all this is man-made. He said, learn how to ignore it. Ignore what they're saying. Ignore it. So I started, I started sitting down. The worst whoopings I got was in church. I got whoopings in church because we'd be singing and dancing, and then they get to songs like this. I got shoes. You got shoes. All of God's children got shoes. Then they say, now, when we get to heaven, we're going to put on our shoes. So in other words, they say, you're not going to have no shoes here. Don't expect any shoes down here now, but when you get to heaven now, you're going to have some shoes. When you get them shoes, you walk all over God heaven. I would sit down, and I would say, I'm not singing that. I want me some shoes. I want me some Converse. I want me some, uh, I want me some high tops. Back then, they had them stacked shoes with the fish in the bottom of them. I said, I want me some of them. <laughs> I, I, and I bought me a pair. I put them on layaway. The, the young people are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I, sat, I, sat, I sat down I sat down with songs when people would like you uh, 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 how, how's it go the trouble I've seen how'd that song start huh nobody knows the trouble I've seen I was sit down I don't want to sing about no trouble I don't want to talk about no trouble there's a God that created it all and I plan to enjoy it. Ask your neighbor, what you looking at? Are you looking at a God who is great, mighty, and loves you? He adores you. You're the apple of his eye? Or are you looking around trying to figure out who's going to try to take advantage of you next? That's why they gave the goldfish. God gave the goldfish the memory of three seconds. Three seconds, the goldfish remembers. So when the goldfish looks around and says, ooh, there's a barracuda coming to eat me. As soon as he gets away, he forgets it. He forgets who's coming after him, the danger that's around him. Because you know why? Forget this stuff they tell you in sports, that defense wins games. Defense, defense never wins games. You can play defense the whole game, but if you never score a point, if you never score a point, you will automatically lose. Tell somebody, play offense. I said, tell somebody, play offense. Get the ball in your hand. Be like Michael Jordan. Have the ball in your hand when the game's getting ready to end. Lean back and let it go. You ain't even got to look at the goal. <laughs> you win by scoring, and you score by shooting. You, you score by going after your dream. You score by doing what's in your head and in your hands. You score by even being scared, but you do it. You score by failing and getting back up. Anybody that's afraid to fail is afraid to win. They're the same thing. I'm trying to get back to my notes, but I'm telling you right now, 
Religion will have you sit in the purple chair till you die and go somewhere that you're not even going to stay long. Have you ever, I don't want to get in trouble here, but I had a great teacher. He was amazing. He was a great mentor to me. And I would fight other kids because he, he was a teacher in our school. He loved me. He, he, he challenged me. He made me learn. But he led the Bible club. And he came to me. He says, Martin, I want you to lead the Bible club. I said, sure, Mr. Barnes. But see, the problem with Mr. Barnes was, the problem with Mr. Barnes was everybody would talk about him at school because you couldn't tell who he was looking at. Yeah. He'd be talking to you, but his eyes went this way, right? So people would talk about, I said, no, you got to leave Mr. Barnes alone. So I would fight people over Mr. Barnes. But I would tell him, I said, Mr. Barnes, they all laughed. He said, I know Martin. He said, ignore him. I said, Mr. Barnes, we can't tell who you're looking at. So one day I was praying for something and God said to me, Martin, you like Mr. Barnes right now. He said, I can't tell who you're looking at. He says, are you looking for me to help you? Are you looking for this money to help you? Are you chasing a job? Are you chasing me? He says, I can't tell. Who do you want to provide for you? Do you want to provide for yourself or do you want me to do it? God's not interested in cockeyed Christians. Who are you looking at? Our marriage was in trouble. Say trouble. And God said, Martin, are you looking at me or are you looking at her? She is not going to make your marriage better. I'm the only one that can do this. Look at me. And once I looked at God, I saw her. And I told her, I said, listen, you ain't going nowhere and I'm not going nowhere. I said, if you try to leave me, I'm moving into a tent in the back of the house you're moving to. This is what's getting ready to happen. She said, fine. She said, I'm glad you came to this revelation. Let's build this thing together. Don't squint. Open your eyes wide with expectation of God. If my friend Joel would be here. He said, just roll that over on Jesus. So now, watch this. Is it God or is it money? Because Jesus said you can't serve both. Now listen to him. There are two big gods. There's God, God, and then there's mammon. There's the God of money. And he says you're going to serve one. You, you, you're going to serve you're going to serve one watch what religion does watch what religion does he says you can't serve two masters either you're going to hate one love the other or else you're going to be loyal to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and mammon or god and money so say it with me i've got to decide which one i'm serving money runs from those who run after it But money is attracted to those who knows it's theirs. Comes to you. Comes to you. Someone asked me the other day, because there were some 
we're, we're working through this transition. And Pastor Josh came to me. He said, Dad, I got a question for you. He said, have you ever interviewed for a job and then negotiated for the salary? I said, no, not once. Not one time. I'm not telling you not to do that. I, I haven't. Right? Do you know, once you start looking at God, people say stuff like this. Well, you know, this is what this salary pays. Uh, and we see your skills. We really like your skills. But we just feel like we need to give you this. I'm like, yep. Sounds good to me. <laughs> you can put your hands in the candy jar and grab all you want and put it in a bag. But your hands aren't as big as God's. <laughs> if you can trust God to put his hand called the bag of life, and grab a handful and put it in your bag? People be talking about you. How many of y'all people talking about you? How many of y'all people talking about you? What she thinks she is? How she get that job? She ain't even got the degree in this. We got a master, she got a high school diploma. How did he start his company? Now he's making money. She came to the church, couldn't even have a child. Now she got three. Look at her walking down the hallway like she's something. She is something. She done figured this thing out. It don't matter what anybody says about you, thinks about you, gives you, don't give you, steal from you, talk about you, put you on Instagram, what all that stuff is. None of that stuff matters. The only question is, who does God think I am and do I see myself right? If I see myself the way God sees me, there's going to be absolutely nothing you can keep from me. Not going to happen. Shout it. I ain't got no enemies. Enemies in your life make you get warfare. Enemies in your life want you to buy a gun. Enemies in your life want you to put up a security system. Enemies in your life have you suspicious of everybody. Just get rid of your enemies. Drop the guns, drop all the security, drop all that stuff, and say, God, I'm just going to walk with you. Nothing get Jesus told those people. He said, the only reason I'm sitting here is because God allowed me to sit here in your space, Pilate. And if I die, it'll be because he gives you power to die. And literally in the Greek, Jesus said these words. Can we hurry up and get on with dying? He says, I need to die. We've been doing all this talking. I chose to die and y'all talking. Y'all, you talking to them and they talking to you. Let's just die. Let's get on with my purpose here. Now, I'm saying that because Jesus was saying, if I don't die, they will never have power. If I don't die, they'll never have dominion back. Jesus didn't die to start some kingdom or political party. Uh-oh. That is not why he died. He died as a means to an end. To give the kingdom back to you. And see... Religious people right now, they'll be listening to me and they'll be going like, hmm, I got to study that. <laughs> I need to look this dude up on YouTube. Religious people are saying, is he Jehovah's Witness? None of that. And I want nothing to do with it. 
You need to know who you are. Jesus says, look at these things. He says, he says the father feeds the birds. He feeds them. In the 28th and 29th verse of, of, of Matthew, he says, now, if God also clothes the grass, which today is and tomorrow isn't, will he not? If he can put clothes on the flower, why wouldn't he put clothes on you? Why are you spending your time trying to figure out? Okay, I'll read it. I read it. Therefore, why are you worried about clothing? You never go to work to pay bills. Never. You never take a job to buy clothes. Our food. No, okay, I need a job because I got to pay for tuition. Jobs aren't there to pay your bills. See, that's religion because nobody, the 1%, do not want you to leave the plantation. I'm sorry. Okay, now when I'm saying this, I'm from Mississippi, so hey. But the people who own the companies... They want you to come and work for 50 bucks an hour because they're making $1,500 an hour on your hour. You never take a job to pay bills. You take a job because you belong there. It's your destiny. It's part of your calling. It's part of what God wants to do. You can, you can have a job making $50,000 a year from them and another $500,000 just because you're in the right place and God blesses you. That's me. Never have to ask if you understand how this works. He says, you, 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 say me. me. He says, you are my child. I put the flowers there for you. <laughs> I put the flowers there so you could pick them and bring them home to your wife. And she said, you thought of me today? Yes, I did. You're as beautiful as these flowers. That's why the flower's there. That's why, have y'all ever done this? Have you ever, have you ever done something in your yard and then you watch something? Like for instance, I did something in my yard and uh, there was a little thing there, this little divot that needed to be fixed up in the driveway. And it was real hot. And it rained for only like 10 minutes. 10 minutes. So I'm worried about this little hole in my driveway I need to get fixed. Right? Because I don't like stuff to not be fixed. <laughs> you know what happened? That little place in my driveway that needed to be fixed got full of water. 30 robins showed up. I'm like, where'd they come from? The robins are in my driveway that I need to get fixed. Taking a bath. <laughs> chirping, flying around. I'm like, get out of here. We need to fix this. And God says, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh, -uh, uh, -uh. <clears throat> He says, I take care of the birds. 
and there is not a bird that falls to the ground, God says, without me knowing it. Martin, why are you worried about how you're going to fix this little hole in your driveway? That's God's stuff. Okay, so the, so, the, so the next verse, the next verse is very clear. Why are you worrying? Can you worry and make you taller? Would it add the years to your life? <laughs> huh? What does it say? Put that, put that verse up there. What, what does it say about you? Oh, did you put it up for me? Therefore, do not worry by saying, the children need some eat, something to eat. I'm fixing to wreck your prayer life. The children need something to eat. He says, why are you praying about food? Hmm? Hmm? You need a check from the government. This little government down here, if they give you a check, they're going to ask you for something. Okay. Why, why are you worrying about food, about drink, about what you're going to wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Say this with me. Worrying is for pagans. Now, I can't ask you, but your friend can ask you. Turn to your friend and say, are you a pagan? Now, if they're laughing, that's just nervous laughter. They're really saying, well, yeah, you know, I'm concerned about these things. No, you are a pagan. Pagans have no God. Stop it. <laughs> okay, watch, watch this. You never lose, I teach my children this, you never lose against a pagan. Okay, people don't understand David, Josh, Callie. They don't understand David. But when David saw Goliath, he said these words. You uncircumcised Philistine. Now, y'all don't know what that means. Y'all start talking about cutting away the penis and stuff. Y'all just stuck at church. <laughs> David said he has no God. He's big, but he ain't got no God. David was five foot three with red hair and freckles. He told his brother, he looked up at Eliab. Eliab was tall. He was about six five. He said, Eliab, kill him. <laughs> Why are you listening? Hello, Eliab. Because David's daddy sent him there with bread and cheese. Because nobody thought David could fight. David says, kill him. He has no God. And they said, uh, how long you been hiding here? Say 40 days and 49. You mean you've been sitting here for 40 days and 49 listening to this guy talk trash. Ask your neighbor, how much trash are you listening to? Just trash. Everything talking to you. The car talking to you. I need a tune-up. The house talking to you. I need to be painted. Tell everything around you to shut up. 
Because there ain't a thing you need that God doesn't already know. David said, okay, if y'all won't kill him, I'll kill him. Call him out here. Saul's like, hold up, David. Let me give you something to fight. Because you can't fight him. You can't, you got, this guy knows how to fight. He knows how to fight. He's been a fighter since he was young. He killed people. That's why they put him out here. Just send me one man because he'll kill anybody. David said, I get it. What you want me to do? They put this thing on David. He ain't but, he ain't but five, two. 150 pounds soaking wet. You put on a 50-pound neoprene metal jacket on him that's dragging the ground. David said, I, I don't know what to do with this. This is not how I fight. I don't fight like this. David said, I'm going to use what I've been using. I'm going to use a weapon that I've learned how to use. And that weapon really is me. I don't need anybody. I need to finally be comfortable in who I am, what I can do, my dominion, my calling. I need to leave you alone and work on me. They said, that ain't going to work. David said, yeah, it will. I done killed a lion and a bear. You wasn't looking at me. You didn't see me. I did it in private. I did it when you wasn't looking. I was out on the field because my daddy called me a runt. But I killed a lion and I killed a bear. This Philistine will fall and the birds will be eating him today. David didn't just say, I'm going to kill him, but I'm going to kill him today. And by the end of this day, the birds are going to be eating him. David is smacking off trash. He kills him and cuts his head off. And three years later, David was meeting with five kings. So when he was getting ready to meet with them, David walked in. He walked into the front door. He told his servants, open the door. Just open the door. David went in his bag and took out the head of Goliath. He rolled the head of Goliath in the room. <laughs> Maggots and bugs are coming out of the head of Goliath. And they're like, who is that that killed Goliath? David walked in the room. So I'm the one that killed him. And David said, I'm here to be your king. I'm here to be your king. They said, why would you be king over us? Because he said, I want to show you how to slay the Goliath in your life. That Goliath in your life doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to a politician. It doesn't belong to some potentate with a hat on and a miter with smoke in it. It don't belong to no preacher. That's your dominion. That's yours. And nobody else should have it. It should be in your bag. When they look you up on Google, they say, that's the girl we want. She's a slayer. She knows how to kill some things. She knows how to get some things done. When they look at you on Facebook, when they look at you on LinkedIn, they say, that's the brother we want. That's the, that's the guy we want. We want him. But you can't do this being religious. Stand on your feet and jump up if religion works for you. I grew up religious. I got saved every tornado storm. Because Jesus was coming. (laughs) 
Every hurricane in Mississippi, I got saved. We had Terran service on Friday night. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost every Friday night. Scared of life. Scared of a God that had been betrayed to me as a tyrant. As somebody who just walks behind me every day and says, you know, you really messed that up. You really sinned there. You You shouldn't have done that. And I got this list of stuff I'm repenting for all day. And God says, Martin, I have nothing to do with any of that. Martin, I knew you before you were born. I knew every sin you would commit. And now everything I provided for you, you're looking with squinted eyes. And I can't give it to you if you're not looking at me because you can't serve both. Can I just be good to you? Can God just be good to you and your family without you earning it? True story that almost broke up a friendship. A very rich man had another person that he believed in. So he bought him a Cadillac. He bought it. Bought the Cadillac, paid the taxes, brought him the key. He says, man, I bought this for you. You've been a great friend to me. His friend says... Uh, can I give you something on it? You don't understand that. Can can I give you a little bit on the car? Can I give you some money? This is a $40,000 car at the time. Can I give you some money on it? He says, no, it's a gift. Uh, Can I pay the taxes? He he said, no, it's a gift. I mean, I got to give you something. He jerked the keys out of his friend's hand and put the keys in his pocket and then got in the car and drove away. For years, they never talked. He said, what happened? He said, I tried to give you a gift and you tried to pay something on it. He said, my gift was too expensive for you to put something on. Jesus is saying to you, My gift to you was too expensive for you to put something on it. You buy somebody dinner and you say, man, a girl, I'm so glad, let's have dinner. You done already wrote the check, put it in your car, whatever. And they say, hey, I can at least pay the tip. No, I'll pay the whole thing. Just pay the whole thing. Pay the whole thing. I invited you out. I told you I'm going to pay for it. Now you're talking about paying the tip. You're going to pay the tip. You're going to pay the tip or you're going to let me pay for the whole thing. Is this my night or is this your night? Well, I I needed something. My mama taught me. Your mama was religious. When God gives you a gift, you take it and say, thank you. What's next? Give me something else. I'm good. We call ourselves teaching our kids manners. And what we're teaching them is to not feel worthy. You're worthy of everything God gives you. There are no pink Cadillacs that's going to come down from heaven. God's going to give the money to somebody and they're going to buy you one. And you sit up here like, mm-mm, I can't receive that. God said if a man don't work, he shouldn't eat. 
So you're not going to allow someone to give you something because God led them to. I know I'm stuck. But the goodness of God is all around you. You're swimming in it. But it's possible to swim in water and not get wet. Let me finish this. Yeah, I have to. So now my question is, let me take MUD, OPPD. Let me take a uh, uh, Cox Cable. Let me take a uh, food, clothes, rent, or mortgage, because renting doesn't, okay, uh, all that. What if you don't have to pray for that stuff no more? What you going to pray about now? No, 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 I'm talking to you. What are, what are you going to pray for? That's your whole prayer list. No, that's your prayer list. Lord, we need some. You know this rent is due, Lord. You know, we got you know, to figure this out. God, there's a surgery. It's not covered in my insurance. It's not covered in my insurance. And uh, I need you to, you know, and, uh, you know, I need this stuff. Baby need a new pair of shoes. Got a light bill due. This is, this is what we pray for. Now, if that's the stuff pagans pray for, Goliaths pray for this stuff, pagans. And Jesus says, if you pray for this stuff, you've not heard my kingdom yet. What are you not supposed to be praying for, number one? Number two, what should you be praying for? If you know that you are an ambassador, you're in this country sent from another country, and wherever you live ain't your bill. What your drive is not your, it's not your responsibility. Your health is not your responsibility. None of that is your responsibility. So if you're not praying for that, what do you pray for? One prayer. Our Father who's not on the earth. Our Father who's not coming to earth. He ain't com- That's what it means, our Father who art in heaven. When you read it in the Greek, it says he ain't coming. You can't send God to the hospital to pray for your loved one. You can't send God to the school to do something. You can't send God to the Senate. You can't send God to sell something. You can't send God to create a cure for COVID. He's not coming here. (laughs) He sent you here. If a man... Okay. My pastor, my pastor, and I happen to be here for this. My pastor was having a toothache. And we were up there praying for him for his toothache. 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 And in my head, I'm like, wow, this is interesting to me. There was a lady in the church that was a dentist. We're praying. She walked up on stage and she said, "Uh, hey, pastor, after church, come to my office. I can fix this. Ignorance will kill you. You're praying for stuff that doesn't need prayer. Do you know there are people sitting in here who can just take your name and your dream 
and turn it into a marketable item in seven days. Logos, LinkedIn, Facebook, everything about you. They can do that and put you out there and you just sit back and collect money every day. Is $15 an hour enough? So why are you worried? Seek ye proton. Seek ye proton, the kingdom of God. In other words, seek first in every category. Proton, in every category. When it comes to health, seek the kingdom. When it comes to wealth, seek the kingdom. When it comes to family, seek the kingdom. When it comes to business, seek the kingdom. When it comes to media, seek the kingdom. He says in all of your life, just seek the kingdom. And all the stuff they're working for, fighting for, killing people for, marching for, voting for. He said it will just be added to you. Stop fighting for stuff. Because the stuff God's going to give you, nobody has it. He doesn't have to capitalize on anyone to bless you. Let me finish. Okay. Okay. Here's a bowl of fruit. Y'all see it? Okay. Can you tell me which fruit is real? Can you tell which, which fruit? Can you tell which fruit is real? Honeycrisp? You think? You think so? Can, can, can you tell? So you, the banana's real? Oh. <laughs> can, can, can. <laughs> Sorry about that, Nikki. He did that. People are like, I ain't, I ain't guessing. <laughs> Can you tell? Is it real? Looks real though. Uh, take a bite of that, Marv. You don't. Why, why won't you take a bite? Because as soon as I put it in your hands. It didn't feel right. That's good. That's good. That's good. It was made as a counterfeit for the real. And now people are eating this. Some of this junk you're listening to on Instagram, these famous folks you're listening to, That's what it is. Smell it. Does it smell like a Granny Smith? Does it have any weight to it, any water in it? Would you even take a bite of that? Why are people eating this? We eat it because everybody else around us is eating it. We follow the crowds like sheep. There is no nutrition in this at all. Go ahead and do what you would do with that. See, he like, I'm just going to break. He like, I can't peel it. It has no sense of nutrition. It will give me no life. 
And religion is killing you, literally. It kills your children. That's real. How do you know? She's thumping it like she's at Baker's. <laughs> My wife put this together for me. You would not believe how much of this is not fruit at all. It's not even real. And now Christians don't even bring their Bibles to church. And they listen to some guy up there, some girl up there, taking what they say for truth. Never believe anything I say. There is no middle wall of petition. There should be no one standing between you and your God. You are his child. He wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you about you. About you, your life, your dreams, your goals, your purpose, why you're here. And he wants to help you get there. Don't let anyone be your hindrance. I know I took some time. But I had to this morning. Let's go down to uh, Matthew 4, 17 says this. It says, Jesus began to preach. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, change your mind, change the source of your information so you change what you're thinking. Repent does not mean be sorry for what you did. I sinned last night, God. I know I shouldn't have done it, so I'm repenting. No, that's not what it means. It means change your mind. Because he's saying the system you lost has returned. Everything you lost in Genesis 3, Jesus says, I've gotten it back for you. It's here now. So repent. Last thing I want to share with you is this story in Matthew 13. Y'all okay? In Matthew 13, Jesus tells the story of a man who was working in the field. He was just working. And he ran across something that was amazing. In the field, wasn't even his field. And it says the man went home and talked to his wife and said, gather everything we have, every penny, every dime. How much are those children worth? No, he said, uh, (laughs) the Bible says he gathered all he had, everything. And he went and bought the field. And Jesus said the kingdom of God is like that. That when you hear it for the first time, sell everything. Sell all your beliefs, everything you've ever believed. He says sell it all. Gather all you have. Sell it and buy the kingdom. What that does for you is it gives you a single eye. 
It says, I only depend on you, God. You can't buy stuff with the money you make. No, I said that wrong. Uh, God doesn't need your budget. God doesn't have a budget. He just does for you what needs to be done, I'm telling you. Anything you're trying to do, it only means God wants you to do it. And he wants you to trust him for that. So now, right now, today, right now in this moment, right now, buy the field. Buy the field that has your dominion in it, that has your power, your calling. Buy it. Say, God, I'm just receiving who you are and I'm receiving who you are in me. Are there 10 people in the room this morning that will say, Pastor Martin, I want to just sell everything and get to know what this kingdom is like. Just you, stand on your feet. I want to sell everything. I want to trade it all in so that I can understand this kingdom that Jesus died to give me. Just stand on your feet. Let me see you. I want to trade it in. I want to trade it in. I want, to trade, I want to trade in everything I thought I knew. Everything I thought I knew about God. Everything I thought I knew about heaven, earth. Everything I thought I knew about myself. I want to trade that in. And I just want to, I just want to live in this amazing kingdom. I want, I want to live in this amazing kingdom that Jesus created for me. I want to walk in it. I'm done worrying. Pastor Nell, when she read this scripture the other night, I was amazed by the scripture she read. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy that doesn't fit you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely.